Good morning. Hello. Everybody's excited. The sun is out. We got blue skies. I know. Sandals are on. I see flip-flop sandals. Um, and then, um, you know, tomorrow uh, is very exciting. How many of you guys know what tomorrow is? What? Four, four states? What is that? Oh, 40 days. I was like, four states? What? <laughs> Prepare. Yes. And Noah is coming home. <laughs> you get a gold star. So it's an official Noah day <laughs> for me. And 40 days of prayer and fasting starts tomorrow. And at second service, my dad announced, you know, it's going to start tomorrow, Wednesday, leading up to Easter and everything. And I was the only one that was like, Woo! And then my dad's like, that person's excited. I was like, Dad, did you know it was me? He's like, no. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> um, so if you guys did not get one of these, we brought them in. They're at the table over here. Grab one so you guys are prepared to start tomorrow. It has like a scripture um, for every day and then a little place that you can write. I guess you're supposed to, I didn't read this. You're probably supposed to write a prayer request or something like that. But one of the things that I found yesterday, which was really, really cool, was my prayer journal from last year. And well, and so I, I made it into a journal. And what I would do is actually record each day what happened on that day while we were fasting. And it had like really cool, like I started going through it. It was amazing what God was doing. I, I have a story to tell you, Rochelle. We had like met with Rochelle today, then with this dream, and then this answered prayer, and da-da-da. And I, it was like, it was so cool, the entries that I was reading, and I had forgotten. And it stirred and stoked up my faith, big time. Um, and, you know, I, I just, this morning in praying, you know, with our group before we start, I, I kept hearing the word vanguard, like that the women in this room um, and, and women's Bible study at Maranatha would be a vanguard at Maranatha in their homes in the city of San Diego. That we would actually like we we would we would be game changers because we have been changed because of the one who loves us, who knows you by name, who's literally inscribed your name on the palm of his hand, who has more thoughts towards you than the sand on the seashore. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm completely bursting right now with all the things that God is doing. And I wish we could just sit and, and I could hear your stories and you could hear mine. Me and my dad are talking like on the phone last night. He's in Florida preaching at you know, another church with my mom this week and all this stuff with friends and everything and doing a conference. And we're going back and forth. This is what the Lord, and then this is what we're, and we're, we're just... Do, are you guys living in the same space and place that I'm in? Because if you're not, like, just grab someone at your table, take their hands, because it's okay if you're not. We are glad that you are here. But just have them put their hands on you and pray for you, because God is moving mightily right now. Do you guys realize that we are living in the last days? The stuff that is taking, God is literally at the door. He's knocking. He's waiting. He's ready. He's going, Father, 
Is it time yet to go get my bride? And while we are still here, we are to occupy. We're supposed to be being prepared. My dad talked about it this weekend. I love that he was saying, you have gifts and you have talents that you are supposed to be developing and using because we're going to use them when we are ruling and reigning with him in the millennial reign. Do you get this? Do you know? I mean, the stuff that is going on right now has never happened. People, I have it all the time. It with my friends, even sometimes my family. Uh, you know, Annie, you know, we've been talking about Jesus coming back um, for 2,000 years. The apostles, they talked about it. They believed that he was coming back in their day. And the Lord says, you are supposed to live that way because it purifies you. And I said um, to my kids, you know, because sometimes they're like, well, but I want to get married and have kids. I'm like, really? Before the rapture? Okay, you don't get what heaven is all about. But let me just tell you, you know, God is going to come at the perfect time, but you don't need to worry about it. And I go, and here's the thing. It's not fear-mongering. It's like, it's the end of the world. No, it is the beginning of the new world that Jesus is going to be seated on the throne in Jerusalem at the third temple. I mean, it's things are happening on the world scene that are, are literally, it's like, I go, Dad, it's like they're reading the same book we are. And, and even in policy and all, they're starting to just, it's all lining up and fitting together um, exactly the way that the Lord prophesied that it would come to pass. And we, in this room, we're going to be ready. We're going to be prepared. We're going to be building up our spirit man. We are going to not be filled with fear, but we will be filled with faith. And we're going to bring as many as we can into the love of God so they can be set free. This is what you guys are supposed to be doing. This is why we come into this room. This is to get stirred up in your faith and wake up out of your slumber, out of your lethargy, out of the things, the appetites that the flesh has that only brings death. And it makes you weak and it makes you anemic and it makes you lacking and it makes you longing for more because we have eternity in our hearts. So literally, as we're going to fast, and I want all of you guys to be doing this tomorrow, you have to participate. Do not miss the day of your visitation. The Lord wants to move in your families, in your life, in your health, in your finances even. He wants us to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus and victorious because we live on the other side of the cross. He is alive. He lives in you. He lives in me. And I'm just really, really tired of people like, oh, and me, and the, you know, and sad, and we're depressed. No, you don't need to be depressed. Tell that spirit to go in Jesus' name. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be tired and fatigued. Tell that spirit to go in Jesus' name. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Say it with me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It is time that we stop caring that other people think that we're cuckoo crazy. Because they're cuckoo crazy. We're actually sane and in our right mind. You're the one that knows why you're here, where you're going, what your purpose is, what your destiny is. You have the answers to life. Amazing. And we got to start acting like it. We got to start acting like it. So if you need a good just spiritual slapping around, I'll come over. Because God is good. His word is amazing. And man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how you feed your spirit, man. That's how you become strong in your faith. You are here because you know you want 
to feed your spirit man, to start growing in your spirit man. And that's when you can start to discern the things that are happening around you and you can be solidified in your faith and you stand and you are anchored in him and nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. So any place that there's fear, it's just because love hasn't perfected that place. You haven't allowed love, the gospel, to come and touch that place inside of you. So the Lord goes, these next 40 days, I want to blow your mind. I, I, want to, I want to show you who you really are. I want to show you who you are in this world and how I see you and how I made you. And for us to start rising up and taking that territory, like Joshua says, every place that the sole of my foot touches, Lord, you've given it to me. And we start telling those squatters, get out of my land, get out of my family, get out of my workplace, get out of my children's lives, get out of my grandkids that I don't even have. We got to start getting excited. You guys have no idea how powerful you are in the spirit. And I just don't want to go to boring meetings. I don't want to go to boring prayer meetings. I don't want to go to boring worship services because they shouldn't be boring. It just means that you're not focused on the right thing. We got to shake ourselves up sometimes. Sometimes we wake up and say, oh, God, can you please just come back today before my feet get out of bed? I don't want to, oh, Jesus. I mean, some people are in those seasons. I get it. But this isn't the time the Lord goes, start shaking yourself up. Start waking yourself up. I mean, again, the stories. We need to start. This should be the place that we come together to get stoked, stoked in our faith. And we walk out of the room literally on fire, on fire with the presence of the living God. And then every place that we go, we release that everywhere that we go. Amen? Okay, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you um, that uh, we serve a living God and <laughs> you, you're exciting. You're an adventure. You're, you're present with us. There's no place that we can go where we're separated from the love of God. Um, there, there, we live under grace. We are a people who live in grace we live in, in mercy, in the shadow of your wings. Um, Lord God, you, you provide everything that we, we need, Lord. Um, and and we, we are lacking nothing. You withhold no good thing, Lord Jesus, from us. We're, we're, um, we just, oh Lord, just take, take off the blinders. Take off the wet blanket that goes over our minds and our hearts. It's demonic, and I'm going to call it what it is. And Lord God, we cast it off, Lord. Uh, we, we take off um, a spirit of heaviness in the name of Jesus for a garment of praise. Oh, Lord, this is what we are meant to be, is worshipers of you, morning, noon, and night, every second of every day, Lord God. And, and literally, it builds us, it strengthens us, it, it makes us see things um, in the spirit realm, Lord. It, it shows us... Uh, you know, that, that we're lacking in, in nothing, Lord, um, pertaining to life and godliness, holiness, happiness, joy, Lord, that abundant life. Help us to see with fresh eyes. Prepare hearts for this next 40 days to be radically renewed, um, and, and going from glory to glory as you promise in your word as we behold you, the author and finisher of our faith, Lord God. 
um, make these women, including myself, a vanguard for, for righteousness and for holiness and, and for no compromise, um, not even one little slice of death uh, or cursings today, but only blessings in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so Samuel, we're, um, <laughs> you're just going to clap after praying. Yay. <laughs> Um, Samuel, we are finishing basically the second half of Samuel. We started at the first half. Last time we were together, we had a break in between. And, um, you know, uh, I was like, oh, Lord. It's like 15 chapters. You guys don't know because there's no chapters in there. But um, that's how much we covered. And there's so much in there. But I don't want us to be word ignorant I don't want you to be only, um, because the Lord doesn't want us to be word ignorant, experiential only. I, in these days, the way to prepare is to actually have the word of God in you, to understand how to explain the gospel clearly, how, um, how to, to actually apply the word of God, how to, how to dive in, how to chew on that, how to meditate on that. Um, and um, so... I do want to go through, and that's what we're doing in this Bible study, from Genesis all the way through, that's the plan, um, is that we're just going to go straight through and take these big swaths of chapters so that we understand the storyline, and you kind of start to get it into your head and into your heart. So I'll go through that, and then the Lord has a place for us to land um, at the end. Are you guys ready? Did you guys read? My, My friend again was like, She's like, this thing's a page turner. She's like way ahead of our reading. And like, I couldn't stop about David. She's like, it's like a movie playing in my head. I can see it. It's so exciting. I'm like, I know. Just don't know what's going to happen. And that is what the life uh, is with Jesus. You know, you think about it. People are like, oh, Christians are so boring. And that's because there are a lot of Christians that are boring. Um, But... Jesus is not boring, and, you know, you would wake up, and it would be like, what are we going to do today, Jesus? He's like, we're going to flip the tables over at the temple, because they've made it into a merchant house, and it's a house of prayer, and he's throwing the tables around, and the next day, it's like, I got to pay my taxes. Well, go fishing, and you'll find a coin in the fish's mouth to pay for the taxes, and what are we going to do today? Well, there's 5,000 people here. That's just the men. There's actually a lot more, and we don't have any food, and we don't know what to do. Here's some five stinky fish and some loaves of bread, and it just keeps multiplying and multiplying, and you feed like, you know, 10,000 plus people at that day. I mean, do you understand how exciting it is? And that's Jesus' story. That's what a real disciple's life looks like. Um, so, yeah, if your life is boring in the Lord, then um, it's because you're just boring, and it's not <laughs> the Lord's problem. And he wants to wake you up and make you come alive. So... Last time we met, we went over the fact that Samuel, Samuel is the last of the judges. Remember, before that, we went through the book of Judges, and that's where God, you know, would raise up a leader um, and uh, to help govern the people. Um, and so he basically, Samuel, he ends the period of the judges that were over Israel. We went over Samuel's birth. Do you guys remember Samuel's birth where there was Penina? Penina. That's you just like, uh, she just, 
She, you know, uh, was also, you know, one of the other wives, which again, God does not sanction in his word, but this is what man did. Um, so he's got two, and it was a load of trouble if you read the story anyway. But Penina is mocking Hannah, who um, her womb is closed. She can't have children. And, um, and so we see Hannah go into the temple of the Lord and pour her heart out before the Lord, asking for a child. And the Lord answers, he hears, he sees her tears, he goes, he's near to the brokenhearted, he hears those prayers, and he meets her and says, you know, you, you, your, your prayer is going to be answered through the priest that's there who thought she was drunk, but she was actually just pouring out her heart, um, and she ends up having this miraculous child, Samuel, who she dedicates to the Lord. Um, so then we have, um, oh, and also Hannah's prayer. Do you guys remember Hannah's prayer? It really sets the tone um, and, and the practical lessons that you can see throughout First and Second Samuel and really our lives forever, these principles, um, that God um, will, he, he, whoever is proud, he will humble. Penina was proud, remember, you know? Um, and, and whoever is humble, he raises up. And we have that also in Saul's story and in David, and we'll, it just keeps going. But so... He humbles the proud, and he raises up the humble. Then Samuel's call to God to be a prophet and a judge over Israel. We looked at that. Um, you guys remember he's laying there as a little boy, and he's in his room, and you know um, the, the priest is in another room, and he keeps hearing his name being called in the middle of the night. And, um, you know, and he keeps going to the priest and saying, you know, I'm, I, yes, I'm here. And he's like, I haven't called you. And finally, he wakes up to realizing that, you know, the priest, because the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Um, and uh, he goes, that's the Lord. You need to answer him as such. And then his call begins right there, which is amazing. And I told you that story about my son Noah hearing his name called and God even answering that. And he's like, you told that story? I said, I did. I know I normally don't tell that, but it was, it was fitting, and the Lord released me to tell it. So um, anyway... So, so then we saw the first of the kings of Israel appointed. Remember, Saul. Um, so the monarchy begins for Israel right here. Um, Samuel places quite literally the first king on the throne in Israel. Um, so Saul, remember, he's taller than everyone else, and he's really good looking. He's like who we all would have voted for in high school. Um, and he begins very well. He seems very promising, but quickly we see his sin exposed, and God anoints another king, David. 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 He is the greatest of the kings that Israel will have. There are so many prophetic promises even still that we will get into in our reading about David and him sitting on the throne. It, uh, messianic promises. I mean, it's just, so, so David, and he's literally called a man after God's own heart. He is also anointed by the prophet Samuel. So David then goes, his little storyline, into service before Saul. He actually, like, starts working for Saul. He, um, David himself, does not replace Saul as the king, um, until Saul dies, and we're almost there. It's like, I don't, our reading ended like one or two pages before we end the book of Samuel, if you actually go according to, and don't read ahead like some people. 
<laughs> no, read the Bible. Go, go, read the whole thing. Um, but anyway, so, so we'll see that, you know, that, that's actually when he um, takes the throne. But um, we, we saw in our reading of Scripture that Saul, he starts to get completely and totally filled with envy and, and jealousy. And then that, that even opens the door for like a murderous spirit that comes over him too. He's so angry, so jealous, so envious. David then later has to flee Saul, and David actually becomes a fugitive because Saul literally wants to kill him over and over and over again. Um, Then you also have in our whole storyline the Philistines. You guys remember the Philistines? Remember the weird story about, you know, they presumptuously bring the ark out. They treat it like it's a little trophy. The presence of God, this is how we'll win. They don't consult God. They don't talk to him. There's no relationship going on. Um, And they just bring out the ark, and then the Philistines capture it, um, and uh, they bring it into their camp. And then every place that it went, you know, there was tumors, and there was rats, and then they brought it into their tent with their other god, Dagon. And then in the morning, Dagon's head was fallen off in the idol and literally at the floor of the Ark of the Covenant, and they send it back with golden rats and golden tumors inside as an offering on a cart. And it makes its way, amazingly, back to Israel because that's where it belonged. Um, so pretty interesting story. But So Israel has the threat of the Philistines going on at this time. And they oppress Israel as their enemy for like 40 years. Um, again, interestingly, listen to this, you guys. The word Philistine in Latin is Palestine. Mm-hmm. Palestine. So you'll hear the land of Israel being called Palestine, but listen to it's where it originated. The land was named by the Caesar in the second century, in the second century. So a Caesar of Rome, we're talking about way, way, way into the future, and he names it in Latin after Israel's enemy. He names the land Palestine after Israel's enemy. Hmm, interesting. Yes. So Um, Saul has to deal with the Philistines, but then later David ends up subduing them, um, actually. Remember David, when he was a young boy, he comes up against the giant Goliath. I mean, it's a famous story. We all know that. Like we hear it when we were, you know, kids, if you grew up in Sunday school, you tell the story of David and Goliath. Um, Mine is Veggie Tales. You guys remember, did you do Veggie Tales? Yeah, that was a little broccoli and asparagus and Anyway, David and Goliath. So David, he is, he's going, he's going up uh, as, as a little kid against Goliath, and he ends up killing him. Goliath was literally, it says, nine feet tall um, and was a professionally trained combat soldier at nine feet tall. Like, this is his occupation. This is what he does. And David, as a little guy, he goes to visit his brothers, and he gets upset because he sees Israel. 
And what they would they what they were doing is so here's the enemy Philistines and they're you know they're coming against Israel they're lined up on their you know sides we're over here and they're over here and they go we're going to send our champion out Goliath who's nine feet tall and um, whoever beats him you know if you do then you know you win the war instead of basically killing thousands of people that was kind of the idea but what was happening for days and days and days and days they're just camped on their side. Goliath would come out and would yell and mock the children of Israel and mock their God. And no one of the Israelites would take the challenge and stand up against this Philistine that was mocking God and mocking Israel. And so David says, I'll do it. (laughs) I'll do it. And it's funny. If you read the story, he's like, so how much do you get again? What do you get? There was incentives, actually, that he got um, for, for doing this thing for his family. There was tax write-offs. There was all sorts of stuff that he was going to get. And he kept going, like, How, what was the price again? You know, and, but um, Saul, this is an interesting story. Note to self for y'all. He wants to give his armor to um, David. And remember, Saul is tall. And he's a man. David is this little shepherd boy coming up to him. And I think he feels like a total, you know, goob. And so he's like, at least take my armor. (laughs) And he puts it on him. And it's giant on this little guy. And it's heavy. It probably weighs more than him wet, you know. He just like, you can't wear it. It doesn't fit because it's not for him to wear. He is a shepherd, And so here is a note for yourself. Don't try to wear Saul's armor. Personalize it. Don't wear Saul's armor. Take it off. Be you. In your lane, your calling, your gifts, your talents, don't try to wear someone else's armor. Take Saul's armor off. And my dad perfectly gave an entire message about that this last weekend, if you need to understand more about that, about your gifts, your time. You know, it's like, don't try to be me. Don't try to be Annie. You make a terrible Annie. But I will make a terrible you. You are individual. You are, there's no one else like you on the face of the planet. There never will be. There never has been. You are unique in your design by your papa up in heaven. He has placed you specifically within your family, your neighborhood, your place of work, and it is all at your gifts and your talents and what he has asked for you to do. He's already prepared the way, Ephesians says, good works, that he's already prepared for you to walk in. And if I try to go and do that and I put your armor on and I try to, you know, it's, it's a mess. Take Saul's armor off. That's a good word. Write it down. David, though, he has a sling. And he gets five smooth stones from the brook there to put in his sling. And remember, he hits Goliath. (laughs) I think it's, it's, you know, what are you, think I'm a dog that you bring a flea before me? And David's just like, you know, he's got his little stones and he just runs out. And when you know how fast those things can go, when you know what you're doing, that rock hits him right here in between the eyes on the forehead, and he goes, the giant, nine feet tall, falls to the ground. And it was amazing because David, all he has is little stones and sling. So he comes running up, and he doesn't have a sword. So he takes Goliath's big giant sword and 
cuts off his head with his own sword. Amazing, epic, epic story. Um, But you know what's cool? There was four other stones, because he picked up five. So did he think he was going to miss? No, this is David. He's like, I'll do it. I've killed bears. I've killed lions with my... No, he was, he was confident, little guy. And he had four stones, and this is why we, we, what we believe. It was in case Goliath's four brothers showed up. There were five of them in this, you know, giant's family. Um, and uh, you have that in 2 Samuel 21, verses 18 through 21. David was ready if the brothers showed up to take them all out. Look at the courage and the faith. I mean, just, it's so, this is what we need to be. I mean, it's like, yes, this is so cool. David's mighty men take care of the brothers later. We'll get there in 2 Samuel. Um, but Goliath, listen, he was a descendant of the Anakim, a descendant of the Nephilim, which is what we talked about way back in Genesis 6. You also have, um, from that line, you've got uh, other names like um, the Zemzumin, which is in Numbers 13. Um, So remember, Abraham, God starts unveiling his plan to redeem his kids back to him from day one. And slowly but surely, the Lord starts unveiling the plan of how he's going to do it. Well, we have an enemy. You are at war every single day of every moment of your life. There is an enemy that wants to wipe you out. Literally, you know, he's a liar, a thief, a murderer, all those things. And um, he wants to replace God, uh, Satan, and, you know, his, you know, minions that follow him. So he hears only, he doesn't know all things, he's a created being. So he has to hear the plan unfolded just like we do. And so throughout time, he's listening. And so when he hears, God goes, Abraham, now he's specified. The Lord goes, yeah, I'm going to bring a redeemer. It's going to come through the woman. That is in Genesis chapter 3, the promise of the Messiah. Way back in the garden, right away, the Lord was like, I'm coming for you. I've got a plan. In fact, the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth. So he always has had redemption and love and healing and restoration in mind with us. But uh, so, okay, so now, you know, the plan gets unfolded, you know, and he goes, Abraham, you're my guy. And out of you, the descendants will come more numerous than the stars and the sand on the seashore. And the Messiah is going to come out of you and the prophets and the scriptures and all these things are going to come from your line. And, um, and then, but he tells him, for 400 years, though, your descendants are going to be out of the promised land that I give to you. But then I will return them. Where were they for 400 years? Egypt, good, because we're not Bible illiterate in this room. We're learning, we're growing, we're getting these stories, and we're being changed because of the Word of God. Good job. So God's people would return to the land, but Satan hears that, and he starts planting little landmines in that promised land. Like, all right, 400 years? Ah, 400 years. He starts messing with the literal genome of the human race and starts putting these pockets of these things all over enemies that would then be in the land so that those promises would not actually come to pass. Can you see how it's, is it making sense? Pieces of the puzzle? Okay. So, um, but, so out of this story, little David, who goes and just boldly faces, you know, the, the champion, the nine-foot-tall giant, um, you know, the Anakim and the whole story, I mean, everybody would have known. It would have been completely epic, and he wipes him out, cuts the head, literally is holding his giant's head in his hands, 
um, with his little sling, and it made Israel know that there is a deliverer in the land once again. Very exciting. And the rivalry begins as Saul notices the people noticing David. Remember the song that the women sang? It's like uh, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. He, he's, he's like the beginning of the tune, and then it was like, wait, what? You know? <laughs> yeah. Jealousy. So David becomes Saul's leader and chief in war. Um, and the other interesting kind of amazing part of the story is that Saul's own son, Jonathan, basically becomes, you know, besties uh, with David. They, they're devoted in friendship. Um, and again, people will try to make that, I'm just going to say it, a homosexual relationship because it says that their souls were knit together, um, uh, you know, that in certain, uh, you know, translations that, you know, they kissed, they greeted with a kiss or they wept bitterly when they left, all those kinds of things. It was in no way a homosexual relationship. Um, David is a man after God's own heart. He meditated on God's word day and night. He knew the word of God. He knew his design. He knew what God had planned for even the human body, relationships, the, uh, the, the whole order of things. And he um, was, it was a friendship. It was a friendship. Um, Lord God, you know, would it be that we could all have friends like that in our lives? Um, so... Um, that to be clear. So, uh, so one thing, um, this is kind of, uh, you know, one of the takeaways. This is really, ugh. one thing that we see, and you go all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 20, um, the self-determination of the people to have a king over them. Um, they said, we want a king to go out and fight our battles. We have decided, were they in a prayer meeting? You know, Lord, what is your will? And we owe, and how do we? No. They got together in a group, you know, and and they decided and they determined with their human intellect and then what they saw all the other nations had, kings for them. And those kings go out and they, they fight their battle, which is funny because in our story, what was Saul doing? Saul was not fighting the battle. He had a little tiny boy go out and fight his battle. But that's literally one of their, you know, ideas that they had. And it seems right. You ever get in a group and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, that's right. You know, and you kind of, and it, there's, you're like, it was like, is anybody in that group standing up and going, wait a minute, you want a king, an earthly king to fight our battles. Who fights our battles for us now? God. But it just, yeah, no, self-determination. And we really, really, um, we take pride in that in America and the West. Self-determined, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, figure it out, come on, you can, you know, it's very American apple pie, you know, that's our, that's our makeup, self-determined people. But they had self-determined to have a king over them. And um, so here we have um, the people deciding what they wanted what they needed, when and how to get it. It was completely self-determined. It was man-led in timing. And again, man-determined instead of 
God-led. And one of the verses that the Lord keeps bringing up, I mean, I had literally had a thousand places that I wanted to go in this message, but I think the biggest one, um, you're going to hear it again and again, is wait on the Lord. And I have a bunch of verses for you guys to look up at the end about waiting on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And waiting on the Lord is not passive. Waiting on the Lord is like, I'll just wait in bed until he raptures me. (laughs) You know, did you get your job yet? You know, uh, Bentley? No, I'm waiting on the Lord to bring me a job. She didn't do that, but it's just, she's going to get a job right now. But but she's going to be actively involved in that. Lord, opening the door. Lord, show me which way to go. Lord, is this the right, you know, job that you have for me? Lord, give me favor if this is the place that you want. There's an activity that happens when you're waiting on the Lord. You're in the Word of God. You're in communion with the Lord. You're actually taking steps forward. You're following Him, but it's not self-determined. And here's the other verse. It's that the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. If you have no other way of being prepared, it's being led by His Spirit in moment-by-moment communication as you learn and you cultivate that relationship with the Lord. You stoke up that first love that you have. You cast off anything else. You bite your tongue when you want it to, and you go, no, Lord, give me the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, wait, it's patience. Wait on the Lord, not self-determination. And it comes out in many, many different ways. When we're self-determining our timing, our way, our rights, our ideas. Um, So again, this was man-led. And Samuel, he's upset, the prophet of the Lord, um, when he hears what the people want to do, but God tells Samuel to give them a king. And he tells Samuel, and it's so sad because listen, this is the main point. They haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. And so when you are being self-determined to figure it out on your own, your timing, your way, you're going to make it happen, what you're ultimately doing is you are rejecting the Lord as being Lord in your life. And God views this as a choice. He views it as a choice that they made, and he gives you that choice because he won't force you to be in his kingdom and have him be your Lord because love always has a choice. So um, God views them as uh, making this choice that they would rather have an earthly king over them, and we do the same thing. We want to take charge of our own lives in our own timing, in our own ways, in our own self-determination. We know what to do. We know what is right rather than actually submit to the Lord, humble ourselves, ask in prayer, asking, allowing the Lord to be Lord in our lives. And then that whole thing again, wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Those who wait, I mean, it goes into vengeance, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He's like, wait on me, and I will defend my reputation. Sometimes, do you ever go and you start defending God's reputation, and the Lord's like, what are you, like, calm down, girl. Like, or you defend your own reputation, and, and the Lord goes, I'm the defender of your reputation. I mean, there's so many, I, you'll go through some, a few of the verses, but about how waiting on the Lord, um, it, it's, again, it's a place where you can be, Filled all the time. You walk filled. 
You walk literally filled with the peace of God. You walk and you stay no matter what the circumstances. That you, you're, you're, you're not um, walking in your own strength, in your own provision, in your own understanding. There's a, a settledness. There, there's a, a release um, there's, um, you know, I'm, I want my whole family saved and I'm trying, and you watch people, they go crazy and we're supposed to be burdened for the, for the unsaved and you watch how these people, ah, and they're alienating and the, the family is running from them and terrified of that one Christian in the family. <laughs> and the Lord goes, just do what I ask you to do. Say what I ask you to say in the timing that I ask you to do it. Stay connected to me. Abide in me. Wait on me. Listen to me. My ways, my timing. Hold those promises. I am moving even when you don't see or think. But again, it's trusting him. It's letting him be Lord. It's not being impatient like Saul. Saul was very impatient. He was an impatient king. Remember with me, the Philistines were ready to raid Israel. This was our last uh, time when we met our reading. And he was supposed to wait for Samuel at Gilgal. Um, And they were going to first, they were supposed to make sacrifices to the Lord before they went off into, uh, you know, battle. And um, so Saul, though, he starts freaking out because it's taking days and days and days. Samuel's supposed to be here. Where's Samuel? Where's the prophet of the Lord? He's not here. And the people are like looking at the Philistines and they start freaking out. And because Saul has the fear of man on him, what does he do? Saul takes upon himself the role of the priest and he offers the sacrifices to the Lord without Samuel being there to lead him. And he, he, he goes ahead of God. He does what someone else was supposed to do. How many times do we do that? That wasn't your job. Just calm down, like peace. Like we're supposed to guard our peace. Wait on the Lord. Um, so Saul takes it upon himself. He wasn't supposed to do the priest's job. He was to wait. And Saul was also supposed to wipe out the Agites and the Amalekites. Do you know that we're going to see the Agites come through? Do you know who was an Agite that, that he was supposed to utterly wipe out? We'll see it later in the story of Esther. Do you guys know the story of Esther? Haman. Haman should, his line should have been completely wiped out, but because Saul said, I saved the king and I saved some of the animals and I did all this stuff. And that's when the kingdom was taken from Saul because he did not perform. He did not do the word of the Lord. And and so literally Samuel comes, he's done the sacrifices. He hears the bleeding of the sheep, you know, that are supposed to be wiped out along with the people. And here's the king. And later on, by not being obedient to maybe something that he thought was right because he was self-determined and self-willed and self-wise and all those kinds of things, and literally later, one of the descendants of the person that he's supposed to wipe out utterly wants to wipe out all of the Jews. We'll get to the story in Esther, and Haman is one of the descendants. He was disobedient. And then he doesn't repent. Remember, that was a difference between David and and Saul. It's not about being sinless. There is only one who is perfect, God. And and so, but it's what we do with it. 
It's knowing who we sin against. It's, it's having that right heart. And, uh, you know, Saul does not repent. He makes excuses. He doesn't wait. He doesn't obey. I mean, it just kind of goes on and on. And First um, Samuel 15, um, 25 through 28, the kingdom would be taken from Saul and given to a neighbor, and that neighbor would be David. Um, and Samuel, the prophet, ends up killing Agag um, like Saul was supposed to. He does it because he's obedient to the Lord. Um, and you know what's interesting? Here's the thing. So the people were impatient for the king, right? They want a king. We want a king. And then they get the king and they you know, give them what they want. Deuteronomy 17.15 tells us that provision and a plan was already made for a king. The Lord already had in mind a king to come and to give, give it to them. But the people went ahead of God's timing and God's ways. So how many times does the Lord give you something, but then you step outside, you're going to make it happen. Like you forgot about me. You forgot about that promise. It's taking too long. Where are you, God? And you step ahead and you, you do it by your self-determination. You make it happen, which again, Americans highly value. (laughs) Because the king he had in mind, the Lord, the king that he had in mind for his people was David, but David wasn't ready yet. Look at it. So David is a little boy, right, when he comes and he, you know, does the whole, and Saul's already a grown man leading the people. The timing was off. Yes, a king is coming, but you need to wait for the Lord and his timing, his ways. David wasn't ready. He was the king that the Lord had had in his heart and in his mind. And that's such a great lesson for us because what happens when we get ahead of God You're not patient, but you demand, you go ahead, you make things happen. We end up with, for example, an Ishmael instead of an Isaac, Mm -hmm. Uh, a Saul instead of a David. I mean, you can go on and on. And so the answer is wait on the Lord. And it's taught throughout scripture, wait on the Lord. The story continues and God tells his prophet Samuel, I have provided me a king among the sons of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Keep going with me with the waiting on the Lord, patience, and the timing of God. This is really cool. So Jesse, he brings his sons before the prophet of the Lord. Quote, And it came to pass when they had come that the prophet Samuel looks with his own eyes, with his own understanding, the prophet of the Lord, and it says he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So he looks and he starts to think in his own heart. But remember, the Lord can hear his heart. Wait on the Lord. Don't decide by what you can see with your physical eyes or what you can touch with tangible hands. The Lord goes, you are a spirit being and you are led by my spirit because the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Exactly. So this is a great example of it here. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We judge by what we see. We judge by our physical five senses. We judge by our past experiences. We judge by uh, the traditions of man and what we think with our own minds. And it's so funny because you're like, he's God. And then we're like these, you know, little teeny humans. But we, we think that we know. We judge by how people dress. We judge by how they speak. We judge by how they behave or they carry themselves. And God looks straight through. <laughs> and can see exactly who that person is and who they are meant to be. 
it's fascinating. And if we wait on him with your, with your kids, with yourself, with your spouse, with uh, your situation, you have to start to wait on the Lord and say, tell me what you see. What does it show me what you see? But again, we have to ask. You have to ask. And then you wait. And then when he tells you, that's the funny thing. People think that I'm super, super confident um, to come up in front of, you know, lots of people and speak all the time, because I do it all the time. And then I'll get in a little tiny party. And then everyone, if the tension turns on me, you know, like, oh, your hair's curly. I'll start sweating and like, oh my gosh. But I'm super confident when the Lord speaks to me. I will go up in front of thousands and thousands and I don't care. You will not change my mind. You know, it's like the boldness comes on you because when you see what God wants to show you in your life over that kid that's dying and the doctor says that kid's dying and the Lord goes, he will live. This sickness is not unto death. You will live, Noah. You are going to live. It's it, you, boldness. You get, you get courage. You get faith. It gets stirred up in you and nothing will deter you. But if you are looking on the physical, Mm. So, son after son passed before Samuel, and he said, The Lord has not chosen these. Are these all of your children? There remain the youngest. He keeps the sheep. David came in, and the Lord said, Arise, Samuel, prophet of God. Anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel anoints David. Okay, my last point. This is really cool, too. Timing again. Wait on the Lord. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Okay. So this is not the first time that David gets, or I'm sorry, the last time that David gets anointed. This has to do something with calling. You know, this is the calling on my life. I'm supposed to this, and I'm supposed to be this, and God, you know, you showed me that I'm going to, and this was prophesied over me, or I don't know, whatever your, your thing is that you see, or over this kid, or over this situation, or all these kinds of, but listen, This was the first time that he uh, gets anointed, but he actually ends up getting anointed three different times. Now, to be anointed with oil, it was a picture or a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, meaning the call of God on his life and God being with him right there, okay? So now you go to the second time, David will be anointed over the tribe of Judah. We'll get there. Then the third time, he's anointed as king over all of Israel, This first time, when he's a little boy being called out from the the shepherd's field, who is he anointed in front of and said, you're the king, God has chosen you, David. Who's he anointed in front of? Do you guys know? It's just his family, just a small group. And and we know the story that it's going to take years and years and years before he actually sits on the throne. Does that make it any less true that God said, you are my appointed and anointed king? even though Saul was still ruling and Rick. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a timing that's happening here. Here we see the unfolding plan of God in David's life. Wait on the Lord. Wait on him. He's unfolding. He's growing you. He, He has a destiny and call over every single one of you that's bigger than you could possibly think or imagine over your life, your scroll, your generations. But there's an unfolding and a timing of the Lord as he's letting these things take place. David was incredibly patient. He waited on the Lord to promote him. Hmm. He waited on the Lord to promote him. He waited on the Lord for others to see what God was doing in his life and what was over him. 
his gifts, his talents, his anointing, his calling. This is big, you guys. I don't know how many people I have come up like, how do I do what you do? I want to get on the circuit. I'm like, what? That is not how this works. <laughs> like, the Lord appoints, he anoints, he opens doors um, in your family. And you're, and you're like, I'm the one that's going to bring salvation to my whole family. I believe you. I agree in Jesus' name. But again, the timing and the way and how he unfolds as you're, you know, he gives you more and more wisdom. You start walking in that obedience. You're hearing his voice and he starts opening those doors for you at the right time. You have the perfect thing to say. And to you, it looks stupid and doesn't make any sense. Lord goes, that's the key to that person's heart and you have no idea. Watch, watch. So David here, he is anointed king. Saul is still on the throne. But as the story continues, um, you know, Samuel, he anoints him. And again, like I said, the first time was in the presence of his brethren. And listen, First Samuel 16, 13, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And I want to tell you, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you too. His spirit is with you. His spirit is upon you. His spirit is in you if you are a daughter of the king of kings. It's scripture. I'm not making it up. You don't have to believe me, but you mix that thing with faith and watch it catch fire. Watch your life completely and radically change. You start living the life like the disciples did, where amazing things start opening and unfolding when you wait on the Lord, when you're led by his spirit because you're a son of God. David never was bitter, you guys. God, you said that I was king and look at what's happening and da-da-da. He never allowed hatred in his heart to rule his heart. He always admired Saul. That is crazy. He said, I will not touch the anointed of the Lord, even when he's wrong, because he trusted the Lord to even protect him. He trusted the Lord to actually be his defender of his reputation. He expected, the, do you see, like, and he was honest about his feeling. We'll read the Psalms. I mean, but then he would always end with, but Lord, you. And he, he you know, Dad talked about it this weekend. Talk to his soul and tell him what to tell himself what to do. Come back to place your hope in God. So even when Saul wanted to kill him, he waited on the Lord. He waited on his timings. He waited on his ways. Um, and then when he got out of step with that, he repented quickly before the Lord without excuse. So Lord, I just pray that we would be women that wait on the Lord. We would understand the activity that um, is in that uh, phrase. It's, it's talking to you. It's, it's growing in our trust and our, our understanding of who you are. It's, it's by um, literally uh, not going on our own understanding, our own wisdom, um, but, but saying that, you know, Lord, you give us wisdom. You know. You show me. You tell me. You, you give me um, that picture of of what this situation looks like, and then I will submit to that, um, that we would be filled with the Spirit, um, that we would be dependent and hungry um, for uh, the move of God in our lives and um, to impact this world that's so desperate for a touch of heaven, and and we carry it. Um, And so, Lord, uh, show us how to do this. Help us to be humble, Lord God. Make us like David who um, was a man after your own heart. Um, and, uh, and Lord, that we would be led 
um, by your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so you guys have verses on your pages. If you don't, there's pages over here. Just look them up um, and read them out loud and look at the different ways waiting on the Lord for this, for that, for this, and go over it. Get that word in you. And God bless you. I'll see you next week.